0: Tight-knit. Tight-knit. Tight-knit.
1: Tight-knit. Tight-knit. Tight Tight workforce. Tight from the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation. All right, come on. Let's go. All right, let's, come on, let's go.
0: Welcome to Tight-knit, Workforce Development. Tight-knit is a series about the many ways people are working to build stronger relationships and communities. Season 2 follows teens and adults seeking to work, from new jobs to new careers, and the structures that either support that... Or make it difficult. I'm Shannon Case,
1: and I'm <laughs> Kerry Jr. The second. your flow there for a second.
0: <laughs> uh, hey, Kerry.
1: How you doing,
0: Shannon? I'm good. I'm good. Okay, so we made it halfway
1: through this series. Yeah, we got four episodes to go. Uh, four in the rearview mirror. So it's it's been a journey. For sure, for sure. So, so far this
0: season, we've met a lot of adults and teens looking for jobs that fulfill them in some
2: way. I always wanted to be like, oh, okay, I went to school, I did what she asked. I just didn't know yeah. what I wanted to go for. And it was just me finding myself.
3: Like, oh. I And I want to work for someone else my whole life. Make my own money, be able to go wherever I want. And they looked at me and they said, Don, you know, we have this other program called the Machinist Training Institute where you can learn manufacturing and you can learn the skilled trade. And keep them out of the cycle of poverty.
0: Isaiah had access to tech education in his high school. Don and Latresa found nonprofits that gave them the structure and connections that they needed. But those programs are just reaching a couple hundred people at a time Retirements in those same fields though is happening a couple thousand at a time That got me thinking about a documentary It's called Street Game I saw it in It's about how, about how Sesame Street got its start Sesame Street, Shannon? Yeah, yeah
1: Have you heard of the documentary? I have not Where, where are you going with this one?
0: Okay, okay. It's a documentary by HBO about Sesame Street. Like I said, it's a really good documentary. They did a good job with it. Uh, But the thing I really took away from it is how the show got started. And here's here's a clip from the trailer.
4: This was an experiment.
5: Children were watching a tremendous amount of television.
4: So why not see if it
5: could educate them? Our target audience were inner city children. So literacy
0: was a real problem for kids. And one woman saw how kids could recite a beer commercial, but not their ABCs. So the
5: program met kids where they were comfortable. What she is doing is what television would do if it loved people instead of trying to sell to people.
6: I think you're right.
0: And that's that's kind of similar to what we're getting into
1: today. All right. I, I I see. Um, but only instead of literacy, we're talking about convincing people to take these skilled trades in the in the manufacturing career seriously, right? Exactly. The job training programs we've been discussing. You know, I was actually going to tell you about a manufacturing executive who couldn't even get his kids to be interested in it. His name is Peter Coleman. Uh, he's from Western New York and works for R.J. Watson Incorporated, a company that builds components for bridges. He's had a long career in the field and enjoys his work, but he says he didn't want to force a career on his kids.
5: We're into a whole new generation of parents that, you know, probably my age, that saw manufacturing as a dying industry. To be honest, manufacturing
1: isn't booming today either, but it's steady. And like you said, lots of people are retiring, and that includes people at Coleman's plant.
5: Because they have 20,000 people that are going to retire.
1: That's huge. So if his kids
0: aren't filling those jobs, is this company finding people? And then who are they?
1: Actually, yeah, they are. Um, They've attracted younger talent. If you could ballpark it, what do you think the average age of your workers is?
4: Uh, It's
5: come down significantly. I would say when I first got here two, two years ago, it was probably 52. I would say today we're around 46, 44.
1: In his time at the company, they hired a teenager who attended a manufacturing career training program while in high school. The program is right in his town. The students actually fabricate and
5: make products for the local community uh, and for local manufacturers. So manufacturers sub-work to them uh, to allow them to make some money. We grow capacity and we're training workforces. This particular student went on to
1: graduate from the Northland Training Center. But that, that's
0: great for that student, and that's
1: great for the company, but I bet they weren't the only ones looking to hire. Facts, they were not. Uh, Buffalo manufacturing companies are competing for the same handful of graduates. So Comey wants to see more programs producing more younger workers.
5: We need to increase that fivefold, sixfold. There's maybe 100 graduates that come out a year out of Northland. Well, I have—right now, I have 4,000 open jobs, so I need
1: 40 of those. Forty? Wow, 40 Northlands. Yeah, I mean, it's more like 20 Northlands, Tucker. Northland CEO said they graduate closer to 300 students Mm -hmm. annually. But the point is, the supply is not meeting the demand. I get it, I get it. But that's, that's a lot. Yeah, that's a lot. And Buffalo doesn't have any other Northlands. But I did find a program designed to help high school students enter the trades. So there are programs in in not just Buffalo, but six separate states, including Michigan's Upper Peninsula, that expose high schoolers to associate degree programs. Um, It's called CareerWise. It's an apprenticeship program. And I talked to one teen who has really embraced the program. My name is Trajan. I talked with 18-year-old Trajan Powell. He's a part-time equipment maintenance technician at Tesla. That's a more tech-focused manufacturing role. And before this program, he couldn't really picture himself in the field. As like a young
2: black man, you know, it was kind of really hard to get myself out there. A lot of young men like me nowadays really don't get looked at too much, you know. Uh, it terms of like...
1: Yeah, I need you to explain What do you mean by that? Yeah. I don't know. I, he was nervous when we spoke. He seemed like he was second guessing what he could say or if his experience was valid. Do you mean like when it comes to employment like when Yeah, when not- it comes
2: to when it comes to like long-term career paths and actually, you know, becoming a notable figure in different various communities, it is kind of hard no, it's not. Well, Do you think it's about the field you're in specifically that makes it yeah, hard? I it's think the hard. field that I'm in, because I don't see a lot of people that look like me in my field, and you know, while that that isn't a, that isn't a deterrent for me at all, it is kind of like it leaves more
1: to be desired. Trajan felt like he is on a career path with no roadmap because he hasn't had an example of someone from his background who has done what he's doing. I
2: didn't know exactly where it would take me. I didn't know exactly what I'd be getting myself into. It's kind of like just jumping into like an eight-foot deep pool.
1: Yeah, of course you want to swim, but can you swim? I have a question for you, Shannon. Shoot. When you were younger and you were thinking about your career and your future, did you ever have someone that you were looking to who was an example that said, hey, I want to be or I can be that person?
0: I didn't in the
1: career that I'm in now. Do you feel like if you had it, it would impact your ability or your trajectory in your career? I think it would have sped things up
0: dramatically. I didn't Mm. start until the things that I really wanted to do in my career, until my my 30s, mid-30s.
1: Yeah, it's nice to have a North Star to follow. Yeah. That's also kind of the feeling I got from Trajan. But even though he didn't have that example to follow, he says the support from his family and his friends and his teachers in high school— and career wise, showed him the possibilities. What What is CareerWise? CareerWise is a Pathways program with local chapters in cities across the country. Uh, what it does is it pretty much says, hey, high schoolers, there's jobs out there for folks who want to get trained in manufacturing. And if you're interested, we will take you under our wing for your senior year. And then as, after you graduate, we'll help you along during a paid apprenticeship. Um, that apprenticeship is with a local company where you'll work part-time. And then hopefully that apprenticeship translates into a job after the program is over. When, When did this program start? CareerWise launched its first cohort in 2022. So it's very new to the area, but it's affiliated with the national group CareerWise USA, which has been around for a while. The Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation helped fund the local chapter. David Rust is the executive director of the nonprofit that oversees the CareerWise program. It's called Say Yes, Buffalo.
5: We
4: launched AS Buffalo around 11 years ago, and at that point in time, the graduation rate in our city schools had fallen 49 percent, and it was lower for students of color. Uh, So we went to work initially with a scholarship promise. Every student that graduated the public and charter schools in the city of Buffalo could earn a certificate, a two-year degree, or a four-year degree.
1: They started paying college tuition or a percentage of the tuition, and the amount each graduate received varied depending on how long they had been in the Buffalo education system. But that wasn't enough. Say if Buffalo wanted to do more.
4: One of our local college presidents always said
5: free college is still too expensive for some students. Students, scholarship or no
1: scholarship faced financial pressures at home. According to United States census estimates, the city has a 27 percent poverty rate. And Rust told me, SayS yes, Buffalo has around 2,500 students on scholarship, and 60% of the families the students come from have a household income below $25,000.
4: You know, there's transportation, food, um, housing, you know, the, the obligations you may have with younger
5: siblings to contribute to your family rent. Students are making hard choices between what they want to do and what they have to do. So we were looking at innovative pathways that would allow quicker access to the workforce.
1: And that's how CareerWise began.
5: We talked about this
0: a little in the last episode. Getting a stackable short-term credential can allow a person
1: to start earning money sooner. Right. It becomes a direct pathway to a job on the other side. And how many years in the program? The program is three years long. It's one year of career coaching in high school, their senior year, and then two years of an apprenticeship. During those times, they're like a part-time student, part-time employee. I spoke with Shara Armprester, the career coach supervisor, and she explained it to me.
6: A career coach is on the recruitment side of getting the jobs um, for the students. We kind of vet the students to make sure that they are aligned with three different tracks.
1: CareerWise's key pathways are business operations, advanced manufacturing, and information technology, or IT. So we
6: talk to students about those overall tracks and then different jobs that go with them. So we work with different organizations throughout the city of Buffalo to get students that educational piece along with that um, career piece.
2: It was around, like, my senior year. Trejan again. I didn't know what I really wanted to do in terms of higher education until I met uh, my recruiter. Her name was Miss Jennifer. Miss Jennifer is Jennifer Ray. Um, She wasn't his
1: official career coach. She was just helping him out.
2: Ms. Jennifer was really nice to me and she laid it out to me like laid out like a like a career plan and told me like these are the various like places that you could apply to. And I saw Tesla in there with uh, equipment's maintenance technician and that title like really made my eyes light up. So I just took the time to like a few days afterward to really figure out what that was and what that entailed. Mm -hmm. So once I did, I kind of realized that this would
1: be a very good opportunity. The coaches help the students build um, digital portfolios. It includes their resume, soft skills, their career interests, and potential employers can access that when the students apply. Um, After they graduate, they can get hired, and then they begin their college education and apprenticeship.
0: How is CareerWise constructing its curriculum for these young people?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, So CareerWise doesn't actually make the curriculum, per se— they essentially partner with institutions. So they partner with local institutions like the State University of New York Erie College or SUNY Erie College, Villa Maria College, and Northland Training Center that we talked about. So what program is, is Trajan in right now? Trajan is on the advanced manufacturing track. He's been studying mechatronics at Northland, and he's got a pretty full schedule. With school,
2: I usually go around four or five hours out the day uh, during the week, like, like a regular work week.
1: Monday through Thursday, he's going to classes.
2: But Friday and Saturday and Sunday, I get off school. So during those three days, I usually just make it a point to work as much as I can before, like, the week resets, and
1: then I got to do it all over again.
0: Okay, yeah, that's a lot to jump into right out of high school. It is,
1: it is. Trejan is Tesla's first and only career-wise apprentice. According to Tesla representatives, this is a trial period. So before they can accept more apprentices, they'll see how well they can support him.
0: What kind of wages can they expect from this program?
1: The wages range from $15 an hour to $21 an hour. They say the jobs the apprentices could get on the other side after they finish start at $45,000 a year, which is technically a middle-class income in Buffalo.
0: Do they know the graduation rate, like the people who, who make it all the way through the program? Is that kind of information available? Well, Trajan's class
1: is the first to participate in the apprentice program, There are originally 24 apprentices, now 20 remain. This class just completed their first apprenticeship year and have one more. Will they finish? Will they get jobs? That remains to be seen.
0: I mean, getting 20 people into good paying jobs isn't a lot, but I mean, I guess it's something. Now, working at places like Tesla, that's pretty cool. That got to be
1: pretty valuable. And I think employers want it to be valuable for the students and for their businesses Shatora Roberson, who's a Tesla representative, explained that the company will be retooling their apprenticeship program.
6: We want success story after success story to really um, build credibility in the community. And we really we can't do that until we fully understand our part in this program. If you see a lot of Tesla software and products, you'll see us put beta in a lot of things because we're always testing. We're always, you know, uh, iterating and making sure that we have all of the best information and that we're applying it correctly. So we're going to call this apprenticeship beta, right, and make sure that we're doing it right.
0: Okay, Carrie. so so what are some of the things
1: they want to retool? They want to adjust the training curriculum and help their apprentices balance their classes with their job. You, You heard how busy Trajan is.
6: We were just on some calls actually with Northland about some potential programs that we'd like to roll out here. And we know specifically what the skill sets are that we're looking for to develop in those individuals. And so, um, you know, we might not require as much, let's say, than their typical track would. So we can just adjust what we're looking for with them and then uh, develop it from there.
0: And how are the other CareerWise programs doing?
1: So I spoke to representatives from the CareerWise affiliates in Washington, D.C. and the Upper Peninsula of Michigan. For the one in D.C., their first cohort is finishing in July with seven apprentices. Some of the original apprentices did drop out of the program, though.
0: Okay, so some people did drop out. Why, why do you think that's so?
1: a few reasons uh, some apprentices didn't want to continue pursuing those careers some felt the program was too rigorous for them and others moved away for college and a remote apprenticeship wasn't possible but Jenny Niles the president and ceo of the DC affiliate said completing the program isn't their only measure of success so how do they determine the success Niles told me they view their program as a quote unquote options multiplier meaning their aim is to not solely get the apprentice's jobs, but to also provide a pathway to further their education.
0: I see, I see. Okay, so, like, if they're in the program, they're going to be in a better position than if they didn't take the program. I I get it in that sense. Um, Now, what about the program in the UP? How is that one doing?
1: Michigan Works runs that program. It started in 2021, and it has 10 students. Nine are still in the program, and one graduated and is now working. Mm -hmm. But a representative said they are restructuring their apprenticeship program because there were more challenges operating in a rural area that career-wise alone could not meet.
0: What did you think about the program? You saw it. uh, Were you impressed or not so much?
1: When I look at it from the business side, the apprenticeship programs are a great concept. Peter Coleman, who I spoke with, really wants to see more of them. But the programs I was able to get in touch with haven't been around for more than three years And the number of graduates aren't meeting the demand in the field, so it'll probably take a few more years to know its impact on the manufacturing industry and if it meets the need. From the talent side, the programs provide useful resources for students who are looking for career guidance. When people are in high school, they're often asked, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? They're always asked that question, and it can sometimes be hard to have an answer for it so early on. What I think might help them understand a little bit better at that age how to answer that question is if they know all of the options. Yeah. And it appears that CareerWise is a program that is presenting some more options for these students.
0: Okay, so so what about Trajahn? What about his future? What he's looking for? Um, are his plans clearer than when he started?
1: Sounds like it. I mean, it seems like this program is just the beginning for him. I want
2: young kids to see me doing well and they think, like, I could do that too. Because I was at a point in my life once where I feel like I couldn't do much and I wouldn't, you know, amount to much. But after, you know, with with the support from my family, friends, the various people at Tesla, it's like, I feel like I can do a lot more now. And with the job skills and the training
1: that they gave me, I realized that, you know, I had a lot of potential within myself. He plans on getting more education after this. His dream is to obtain a master's degree. And uh, he's trying to forge a path for future generations of young black kids in in Buffalo in that manufacturing and tech field. That's so important.
0: That's so important.
1: That's great. Thank you. Yeah, no problem, Shannon. Thank you very much for
0: uh, having me on. That's Kerry Jr. II. CareerWise is one innovative approach to drumming up interests in careers, especially for young people who've never been exposed to them. And it's bringing apprenticeships to the corporate workplace. It's an experiment, trying to reach young people where they are. There are other experiments too, like this one. That sound you hear is an RC car about the size of a loaf of bread and it's kicking up rocks, buzzing around the outdoor track. Three, two, one, go. I'm standing around with dozens of teenagers who are part of something called the Innovative Design Challenge, or IVD. And they're all pumped, pressed against this fence, cheering on their teams. One team is from Roseville, a Detroit suburb, which is where Bob Smith could teach us. So, Bob, where we at right now? Tell us a little bit about so, where we at. Yeah,
3: not a problem. So we're at the Square One Education uh, Innovative Vehicle Design Challenge Day at uh, Kettering University. So this is, uh, for the most part, the culmination of uh, students from across Michigan. So. At today's event, they're going to be doing the mini-IVD, which okay. I'm a project specialist for. Uh, Mini-IVD is going to be, they're going to get an out-of-the-box, stock, uh, fairly nice RC car, but teams are encouraged to re-engineer it. They tear it down, they play with the gear ratio, they learn how the different parts of the car work. And
0: that's what they're doing. A mix of boys and girls doing tests before they head out on the track. Bob's got more to tell me about, too because RC cars are just the beginning of this competition.
3: They're gonna be using ultrasonic sensors and things to kind of understand their environment around them, to understand where an obstacle is in front of them, to stop their car in time. We are also working with the students on our autonomous vehicle design challenge where students are tasked with taking a Fisher Price Power Wheel brand new, the little toddler would take out and turn those into a fully self-driving vehicle themselves. (laughs) So, those things are going to be able to parallel park by themselves.
0: I've seen pictures of that. One is a Power Wheels Jeep with dune buggy lights driving itself around a parking lot. The group behind this competition is Square One, a nonprofit founded about 30 years ago by a group of engineers. The idea was to get high schoolers interested in careers in STEM field, and they have.
7: One of the greatest things is when we walk into a potential corporate partner site and we find our alumni there.
0: That's Barb Land, the executive director of Square One.
7: They came up to us and said, Hey, it's good to see you again. And, um, you know, turned out we had met them six years before uh, when they were in high school and participating in some of our, our competition challenges.
0: The group offers grants to try to make the competition economical for all types of students. But between registration and material costs, you're looking at four to five grand to participate. A, you need a teacher who's familiar with engineering that may have influenced who participated. Many of the participating teams came from affluent and largely white schools. Both groups tend to have stronger professional networks and more access to potential donors. But that doesn't mean the students here didn't earn their place at the race. One of the students at this year's challenge is Liam Agnew, a sophomore at Williamson High School.
2: I like cars, cars are interesting. I can see myself maybe doing something like that in the future.
0: Liam was part of a team working on a fully battery powered EV cart with a student driver behind the wheel. He says working on the cart taught him about research. His team had to make trade-offs on technical upgrades which is a lot like what happens in the real world. Tell me about that vehicle right there. Tell me, tell, just give me some rundowns on that vehicle. Like what, 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 what's some of the
2: technologies in that say, vehicle? The main part about our cart this year is probably our batteries. That's what we've been working on. Is um, we've found, we researched a lot. We did, we found some stronger batteries because they have ones that they give you to start with. And they're, they're decent batteries, but we got, we've, if you do research, you can kind of get batteries that are within the rules that are a lot stronger, can run for longer they just add a lot of extra weight.
0: Is the weight worth it? That's the question professional designers often ask. If it's an all-electric Humvee, maybe. If it's an all-electric Chevy Bolt, probably not. Barb Lance says auto execs tell her that learning through trial and error is how innovation happens.
7: They're coming out thinking, I can do something more, and maybe I'm going to pursue engineering um, or a two-year degree in, or a skilled trade. Um, so we are hearing that they are getting those inspirational moments. They're seeing that they can do some of these um, higher-level skilled jobs and professions.
0: When you go to our website, tightenit.org, you catch a video of these students in action. Obviously, I can't interview and take videos all at once. We had our team up there, and Rob St. Mary was one of the producers with me. Hey Rob. Hey
5: Shannon. How's it going?
0: Doing good, doing good. You're the guy who found out about this event, which I'm I'm happy to be at, but but what made you look for
5: this? Well, I started to think about EVs, you know, electric vehicles. And one of the things that kind of came to mind was, okay, they can be remote controlled and they're battery operated, which kind of sounded like RC cars from my youth. I used to have one and I would race it up and down the driveway and a little bit down the street. And uh, to me, kind of the concepts are the same. The difference really is just being scale and complexity. So I originally thought what would be an interesting way to deal with this issue and The context of this episode was to go find people who are really into RC cars and race them. And I thought, look that up and see what we can find. And that's when I found this. The engineers and the teachers and all part of this Square One program that you just were a part of, they all had the same idea, that you can make autonomous and battery engineering relatable to kids in this context. You know what?
0: Uh, It's crazy that you were looking for RC cars and you found something that's directly tied to EV manufacturing and everything else. That's kind of crazy.
5: But I guess this makes sense. Seriously, though, battery operated cars, battery manufacturing and other energy related products are a big part of what we've been talking about this season. Industry 4.0. Michigan's governor recently has helped to make that happen. She's given Ford a billion dollars in incentives to build a new battery plant. New York isn't much
0: different. The state cut a $750 million check to bring jobs to a Buffalo manufacturing site called the Gigafactory. Sounds huge.
5: Tesla runs it right now. Well, speaking of new factories, outside of Detroit, another battery plant is just about to come online. Let me introduce you to Laura Ron. She's with Our Next Energy, also known as One, a battery manufacturer that's building that new factory in Van Buren Township. It's not too far away from Detroit Metro Airport. She says one's batteries will help to deal with what's often referred to as range worry, the feeling that drivers have that their batteries just won't last long enough to get them to where they need to go and to get back home.
2: By pairing a kind of daily driving durable LFP cell with this high energy uh, anode free cell for those longer trips or times when you're um, using your battery in more challenging conditions, we're able to achieve um, over 600 miles of range on a single charge.
5: To bring that range to market, Ron says One looked around and decided on Southeast Michigan. They like the region's long history in auto manufacturing and the talent that can be found in the region, along with the incentives that made building a factory attractive.
3: It's really important for us
2: to work with state and local partners in in identifying how we can address this gap and and ensure that anyone who's interested in entering these roles um, can do so.
5: One plans on hiring local workers, but there's a hitch. Many of them don't exist yet. To get workers with specialized training for EV manufacturing and to get enough of them, they're going to need to convince new groups of workers to consider the field. And they may need some support from nonprofits, community colleges, state agencies, and more. That's the gap that Michelle Economo-Uresti says that her organization is trying to fill.
7: Wynn operates on three pillars, labor market data research, employer convening, and regional business um, solutions.
5: Economo Uresti is the executive director of WIN. It stands for Workforce Intelligence Network. And the name fits the mission. The organization is trying to coordinate between a myriad of workforce development groups. Southeast Michigan has 10 community colleges and seven Michigan Works agencies. And WIN talks to all of them. It also works with regional development groups and businesses themselves. But the connection sometimes Aren't seamless because there's a lot of people in the business community who may not be aware that WIN exists. Regardless, WIN works to coordinate more programs and bring in more money to help all involved up and down the chain.
7: Since WIN's inception, we've brought about $188 million to Michigan in federal training funds. These dollars go. Right to our community colleges, Michigan Works agencies, and job seekers to pay for wraparound services, the cost of the training. They don't have to go in in a pocket in their pocket for say a five thousand dollars certification training program. It, it it's it's funded through these federal grants. They're very important to really develop our our talent.
5: And a lot of times, those federal dollars are aimed at training workers in needed industries.
4: My name is Patrick Rouse. I am the Workforce and Continuing Education Director for Engineering and Advanced Technology here at Macomb Community College.
5: And Rouse's job is to take what manufacturers need on the shop floor, build those connections to create a curriculum, and help students understand what's out there once they receive their certification. On the day I visited the classroom in late January, it was the first day of the spring semester at Macomb. Rouse stood in front of the class of about 16 students, all between the ages of 20 and 50. About half people of color, mostly black, and there were a few women in the cohort. Kind
4: of balance out. And some companies grow, some companies downside. If, if, you, if, I have, if I'm a company owner and I had two robot techs and they do the exact same job, I'm going to look at degrees at that point. Who has a degree, who doesn't. So I'm going to strongly encourage you to, after today, after you finish up these programs, really start thinking about that long term. Get your job, you got to do it, but the long
5: term... The students were part of a 16-week training that led to a certificate. Each was given a new $1,500 laptop with special goggles and a stylus to allow them to manipulate objects and controls in virtual and augmented reality environments. Rouse reminded them that these classes would be intense over the coming weeks, but he urged them to dig in.
4: There will be times through these next 14 to 16 weeks that you're going to be like, man, this is tough. Man, I gotta get up and get over there again. Man, you know, this is a long day. Eight hours of learning and trying and walking through stuff is long. It's not easy. There'll be days where you're like, man, I just, how do I make it through the next hour? Not my class, but somebody else's class. You know, you're just gonna get, how do I get through this, right? And I'm gonna tell you, the. the best thing you can do is just say, I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to get through there. How am I going to stay? I'm just going to spend the night. For
5: Rouse, hour. the goal is to effectively train students in what is called Industry 4.0, the latest version of the Industrial Revolution, creating products out of a manufacturing process integrating automation and the Internet.
4: So there's that integration. So, for instance, the robots out there are connected to the Internet. Those You can program them locally or from anywhere in the world. Now I have another piece that's connected here is I have to worry about hackers, right? I have to worry about cybersecurity. All of you in this room have to be aware of the importance of knowing how and when and where to develop passwords, where to share information. Because when you walk out there...
5: In- and that's where critical thinking skills become so important to the future of work, according to Rouse
4: what employers are looking for is individuals that are able to critically think, they're able to adjust, they're able to problem solve, they're able, you know, all the soft skills that we hear about is communication, collaboration. But now they're actual critical competencies. And employers are now telling us, To what level that is, you know, in the past they would say, yeah, it's important, but so is the technical skill set. Today they're saying, no, it's absolutely a requirement as equal to that technical skill set.
5: And having critical thinking or problem solving skills along with a technical background will help make the students more marketable. It will help them to command between $18 to $30 per hour out of school and at a time when employers are desperate for skilled workers in ways that they haven't been in a generation or more. I've been in human resources for 15 or 20 years, and this is the worst we've ever seen it. Ken Savage is vice president of human resources for Challenge Manufacturing, a West Michigan-based Tier 1 supplier to the auto industry with factories in Metro Detroit. Six to nine months ago, we were short about 50 people just because we have a, a large ramp up with GM for um, some
0: for a lot of the electric vehicles. And we reached out to MCC and we became aware of their program, and it's just, it's it's a battle for talent out there right now. It's, we've Historically, I think we, we pushed so many people into college and didn't pay enough attention to our trade skills. And
5: we still have, I would say, 10 to, to 15 positions open. Because of that, Savage says his company has collaborated with McComb to make sure their students will be skilled up enough to take the jobs companies like his have open. Challenge Manufacturing was one of several such firms that set up a table on the last day of class in the spring semester for interview day, a chance for these new graduates to get an opportunity in a new field. One of those possible new employees is Oscar Willis. He says that COVID happened and it made him think about what he was going to do next as a career. A former line worker for Chrysler, Willis thought about commercial truck driving, but having completed a three-month certificate program at Macomb, Willis is now focused on starting out as a robotics technician after learning a range of new skills.
3: PLC programming, schematics, blueprints, troubleshooting. We did Bridgeport
1: lathe machines. We, we did a number of things.
5: <laughs> the 48-year-old Detroiter says there was another important reason for him to get his education.
1: I want to give my kids something something else to look at, too. I have a 9-year-old and an 11-year-old, so whatever I go in with homework or whatever, I make sure I sit down at the table with them and let them see me doing it and just just feel real good about what I'm trying to do.
5: And Oscar Willis is one of roughly 180 such students who every year go through this specific program at McComb. Sadly, a recent national study found low completion rates from community colleges, with less than 20% who start a program, actually graduating. And this is often due to needs that students have outside of the classroom. And that's something that employers like One, nonprofits like Wynn, and schools like Macomb have been trying to address. But that gap still remains. For Oscar Willis, and so many like him, they know education is a piece of Seeking something a little better for themselves and their family. And they're ready to help build the future of the workforce here in Southeast Michigan. If the pieces of that puzzle can come together to make it possible. Thanks, Rob. That's Rob St. Mary.
0: Most of the programs we've been talking about this season are tailored to young people. People in high school or coming out of it. These are the workers of the future. Hopefully the near future. But employers need workers today. In our next episode, we're gonna talk about how they can find more of those workers. And we'll find out why some workers might get overlooked. Tight Knit is a series from the Ralph C. Wilson Jr. Foundation about the many ways people are working to build stronger relationships and communities. It's hosted by me, Shannon Kaysen. Our supervising producer and editor is Cease Statura. This episode was produced by Rob St. Mary, Carrie Jr. II, Jack Philbrant, and Patrick Berners. Mixing and sound design by Connor Anderson. Music supervision by Sam Bobian. Music from Blue Dot Sessions. Video production by Jonathan DeShane. Our executive producer is David Lyons. Big thanks to the team at Lafayette American. We heard audio from HBO's documentary Street Gang. How We Got Sesame Street. If you like this podcast, please rate it and share it. That'll help others find it too. You can find out more about workforce development at tightknit.org. You can also find us on social media at RCWJRF. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next week.